Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right. So now for the first podcast that we're uh, doing away from Westside, actually. Excited to take the show on the road this week uh, to Edina, Minnesota, where I'm getting a chance to sit down with my good friend Trisha here, uh, who is also a personalized learning collaborator coach um, in her middle school building. And so you kind of want to give us a quick introduction, I guess. Right. Thanks for having me and sitting down with me. We first met this summer Mm -hmm. in L.A., when yeah. our districts decided to collaborate with yeah. efforts around personalized learning. Right, because our schools are part of a, about a 10 district um, 21st century consortium group, and some of those schools have focused in on personalized learning, Adina being one, and Westside being another one. And so, yeah, uh, Manhattan Beach uh, also in that kind of triumvirate this summer hosted uh, that first personalized learning yeah, conference, I guess we'd just call it. Uh, I got a chance to strike up a conversation there. We're like, hey, you're doing this role? Like, me too. Right. We have no idea what right. this is Right. And, you know, like, that was but... some of the best learning that all of us got to experience because it was all of us teachers in the trenches just speaking from experience. We found all these commonalities and mm-hmm. things we could learn from each other. So we started there, and then we picked up again in August when we got to come down to Omaha and see all the great things Westside was doing. Yeah. And kind of our, the infancy of our program a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. And it was before we had started our school year, so we were kind of checking out what you guys, how you were approaching the work with personalized learning coaches. And then you all returned the favor by coming up to snowy, cold Edina, <laughs> Minnesota, yes. for, to train our staff. Mm-hmm. It's a two-day excursion up here where yesterday we got an opportunity to speak across three sessions in the morning and then run a, a workshop in the afternoon on a variety of topics and um, there's a lot of choice for your guys as educators. That was all secondary, you know, both middle schools and high school, right? Right. And it was so great for our teaching staff to hear these similar messages from you coaches that are outside the district offering new ideas and resources and yet hearing the same messages that we're saying about personalized learning as yeah. well. So it was great. Kid, teachers left excited, energized. So did I. Yeah, <laughs> I, they had very positive interactions and great questions, particularly in that workshop. I got a chance to stick around for about an hour, and so in similar roles and serving teachers um, in similar capacities. I know you're still in the classroom, kind of part time, along with your sister, um, kind of sharing the half teacher, half personalized learning right. coach um, role here, right? Right. Our administration decided to create a position for a coaching role that would also include time in the classroom Mm -hmm. and I found that to be actually beneficial and that we're still in the trenches if you'd say or other classroom teachers we have some common ground that they can see us trying to walk the talk in our own classroom yeah so I think that's been good. So, so totally put you in a classroom where all, it was all glass all windows. All glass walls. <laughs> the fishbowl. Like, we're really going right. to make sure Here, that there's some fidelity between your message and what you're doing. Because, yeah, for those that um, will not know, their their classroom does have glass, glass walls on all sides. And so you can definitely peek in and see whatever's going on at any given time. But uh, so, yeah, we... Our role within our district is a little bit different in that we're K-12 uh, as collaborators with Westside and, and are not in the classroom teaching, um, developing a lot of pieces in the classroom teaching sometimes uh, whenever someone asks for us to come in and co-teach or, or lead a large group like I did even last week. But uh, I'm just really grateful that we've had a chance to continue our collaboration. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit 
uh, about the, some of the informal dialogue that you and I have had. So we'll try to replicate that conversation right. as best we can regarding um, choice and really more so than how do you start to support students, I think, first waking up to all the things they actually are in control of. And then as we start to personalize and create those practices and opportunities, how do you start to help students refine their own process? You can call it metacognition maybe even on some yes. level uh, to get into that metacognitive process to say, I have considerable influence over the effectiveness of like my all learning. The, yes, <laughs> to, to zoom out. My right. learning is probably the best way to say it. So for you, what have been some of your kind of early forays into trying to support teachers and making those spaces available and what's kind of that process look like? What I really like about our role is we're at one school and in our position we have the opportunity to work with teachers and students in either starting or continuing on with their journey of personalized learning. And I think one of the easiest entry points is when you think about reflection. Mm -hmm. And when we think about reflection, students need to be taught how to reflect, just like they need the basic skills of reading and writing. And I don't think it's something that necessarily comes natural for students. Right. And so we encourage teachers to have their students, or actually we say learners, mm -hmm. reflect on a daily basis. With that reflection then being, could be used by the teacher, but more often owned by the student. And the questions would be, what did you learn? How did you learn it? And what are your next steps? Or how is this information useful? And again, we're asking kids to make choices about how they're learning, what they're learning. But if they don't know themselves as learners, they're not going to make the right choices or appropriate choices. Mm -hmm. So we have to coach them and model for them and instruct them on how to reflect so that they gain awareness of how they process learning. And I like the steps that you just laid out there because it's kind of the backtracking through Simon Sinek's um, why, how, what that we talk about as part of our training actually with teachers and, and that it's really that's the Simon Sinek says like the brain stuff behind really anything is that you it's maybe first easiest to be able to articulate what you do because you did it right how you went about that is a little bit more of an like introspective process where you have to kind of think but then to get to that why uh, is something that students always say when am I ever going to use this um, but I think if you ask those questions do you typically do that in the order that you just brought up that you say like what did you learn how did you learn it and like next steps is that why right like where is this where does this resonate with your future and, and your goals for it Yep, those questions are my go-to standard-based questions, and they could change based on what the learning was that day. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's another important piece of learners owning their learning and being engaged in the learning process. So oftentimes, teachers create these amazing lessons where they're walking kids through all these strategies to learn something, but in the personalized learning model, we want to involve learners in that process, aware of all the strategies that a teacher is using, yeah. to get you to the learning so that when you're aware of the strategies that are being used, you can consider this works for me, this doesn't work for me, or this is a strategy that helps me. So at the end of the day, after kids have experienced the different activities or discussions or opportunities they've had to stop and think, what worked for me? Why did it work for me? Or what didn't work for me? Mm -hmm. Why didn't it work for me? And what are my next steps or how can I use this again or yeah. or how does this help me get to my end point because kids are always aware too of how everything connects and mm -hmm. how what they're doing today is preparing them to meet a standard 
or summative assignment. So all those reflections are not only thinking about how are they learning, but why does this, to your point, why does this matter? Yeah. And how is this preparing me for the end goal? Mm-hmm. And that end goal being a unit, you know, a class, or hopefully they're, you know, the next steps. Right. Where right. they're going. Well, and I hear in that too, this, uh, I mean, if you think about as teachers, and we just sort of do this subconsciously, but we walk around with this, you know, figurative tool belt right. <laughs> of strategies where we see a student and we say, hey, have you tried this? Right. Consider this. Think about this. This would be a better spot for you. And, and don't yes. necessarily always get into justification. And, and personalized learning would ask you to flip those pieces and start to like put the tools in the student's hands. Yes. Um, that whole teach Amanda fish <laughs> like, um, right. proverb, right? And then they'll feed themselves. And so that hopefully they can start to refine their own process as a result of, again, being more reflective and knowing what things are out there, alterations they can make to their learning process to make it more optimal or effective. Right. What we say to students all the time is you're at school to build your capacity. Your capacity yeah, is your, to say it. I love it. Your capacity is your ability to understand or know, know something. Mm-hmm. So everything we do is about working on your skills as a reader, as a writer, as a critical thinker, as a collaborator, mm-hmm. to build your capacity to learn so that someday you can go on to learn whatever you want, yeah. to go on to pursue your dreams and hopefully make a difference in the world. Right. But so the content becomes a vehicle then that we get to practice these skills. Mm-hmm. But everything we're doing through the content is about building the capacity to learn. And as teachers, we're their resources. And their peers are their resources. Their devices, technologies are their resources. But ultimately, they are the drivers. And they are the ones that need to be to own this learning process. Oh, absolutely. That's the part of our, we, I think we tend to focus on, and it's all buzzwords, right? But agency is, I think, the way in which we sort of have a very similar discussion. Uh, And I think that those I don't like to call them soft skills because I think that that just has a, a connotation that they're not as significant when they, they honestly oftentimes are a greater determiner of success than, you know, maybe IQ or intelligence. <laughs> you know, that person that really is just uh, develops agency or the capacity right. with like which to get things done, all right, and learn and, and be effective. Well, you were in our session, or I mentioned about our session where Kristen is sharing about this type of learning and a participant raises her hand and says, well, I don't think a sixth grader is capable developmentally of, of handling, you know, making these choices. Sure. And you said, <laughs> do you remember this? Yes. This so great. I, I get so fired up. That's the problem. Right. If we <laughs> are not preparing kids to be able to make choices and understand themselves as a learner yeah. and to have ownership, then we're diser- we're not serving them. Mm-hmm. It's a disservice. Then we're doing something wrong. And it's, those moments, because uh, I have had those conversations, and it's tough because the person who is sharing that is coming from a genuine, like, it's been their experience, right? And they are right. saying that because they care and they, they, they want what's best for their students. Right. But the opportunity that personalized learning provides is the very piece that is, because I had someone say to me once, well, you don't understand my class. They would never be able to handle some of this flex space thing because they, they don't use their time or the space very well. So, right. Isn't that exactly the reason to move? Exactly. <laughs> to like try these things and to start to, because uh, it's not about the structure, it's about the, the autonomy and, yeah, and that capacity you're trying to build, to, to your point. We have gone about it, a li- like, as I've worked with teachers, we've gone about some of that stuff uh, in a similar, let's be reflective after lesson way, we'll do goal setting. And so we got a chance today, actually, kind of, <laughs> so we talked with one of the teachers here about, let's set a SMART goal. 
Um, what can you get done during this particular class time? And so make it measurable. And so you can't just say, well, I'm going to read today because if you read two words, it's like, good job. You know, <laughs> like you uh, have accomplished your goal. Well, right. can you read, how many pages can you read in a class period? And the kid will say, I have no idea. Well, that would be really good to know, wouldn't it? Like if you were given 20 minutes to like to work on something, and so they'll say 15 pages and say, well, you got 85-minute class. So like what else? Like right. what else do you think you can get done? Well, I don't know. Right. I could maybe start this. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean what does that mean? Right. Does that mean you read the instructions or do you like get through the first paragraph or like what? And so then they all of a sudden start to realize that there's like so much more to the conversation or at least that they need to be – striving for maybe with the time that they're that they have uh, and then afterwards they reflect on it right so one of the questions that i no longer get as much during a personalized environment which i love is well how many or how long does this have to be or you know they're they're so set on a teacher guiding them with a certain like i'm meeting your expectations i'm complying i'm following <laughs> compliance it's not necessarily about the learning it's about what do i have to do to get this great that i need yeah and we're changing the conversation to be what do you need to do to meet the standard what do you need to do to understand this problem mm. uh, you know i used to sit down with students and say to them or at the beginning of teaching a new novel i sit down and say okay andrew tell me about your reading process and the learners would look at me and they'd say what are you talking about what do you mean and they'd say well <laughs> how do you read how do you you know, Small. how do you process read? Right. And I said, <laughs> right. And I said, well, like, how many, how, how much do you like to read at a time? Do you, t they go, and most students' response is, well, I just do what the teacher tells me to do. Mm -hmm. So we tried to alter that and change that. We said, okay, we're going to introduce you to different strategies. But by the end of this unit, you're going to be able to answer that question and tell me yeah. how, what your reading process is. So we go throughout the unit and kids would experiment with reading different chunks at a time, maybe audio, maybe reading with somebody else, maybe using post-it notes, maybe using a bookmark, maybe using Flipgrid or whatever mm -hmm. they're using to, to track their comprehension or reading. And at the end of the unit, I would sit down and say, okay, Andrew, now tell me about your reading process. And kids could tell me, okay, yeah. I can't use post-it notes. It's too distracting for me. I prefer if I use a dialectic notebook or mm -hmm. I don't know. So, and I would say that was more powerful learning than the actual storyline itself even right because those conversations first of all when they can articulate it gives you goosebumps yeah. <laughs> wow and the student also can't sit there and say yeah when am i ever going to use this because you can use that in almost any class right um that answer or that i work best individually with a desk face in the wall like on in independent assignments or that i need to you know verbally process things um before it makes sense to me right. so i need to have like small group time or like like peer group time um, before I begin a task to really fully understand a concept. And the students, that, that's a whole level of layer probably of conversations that you don't really, uh, prior to personalized learning, right. that I don't really see as being something. You have those those dialogue moments. Maybe that's where it's been before. It's been with the teacher. And the teacher sort of, as we said earlier, um, trying to plug holes, <laughs> I guess, with strategies that eventually one fits and maybe the learner walks away going, oh, yeah, that was better. Um, but it certainly wasn't a, a, a trial and error driven by the student maybe to begin with on their part and, and maybe not as broad or as rich a reflection as I feel like the structure provides. Right. And I think, you know, all learning is personal. Mm -hmm. There's a brain research behind that that says yeah. that. And lots of other resources and examples, but reading in particular, 
I almost feel bad for like my first few years of teaching and the, like reading quizzes. Can I, just, right. can I take a minute to talk about reading quizzes for a second? <laughs> so reading quizzes was to really motivate kids to try to do their reading homework. Yeah. But as we all know that those, you can come in and ace those quizzes having not read anything and vice versa. You could have read all night, came in and they failed the quizzes. The they don't really measure, yeah, comprehension. And um, it just kind of measure compliance or how good of a guesser you are at some mm -hmm. point. But I was asking them to pay attention to questions that stuck out to me. And we changed that. We got rid of reading quizzes and, you know, opened the conversation to presenting some things to look for, some ideas. But what did you get out of the reading? What did you pay attention to? What did you find important and why? Mm -hmm. And, um, again, just include personalized learning is all not only engaging but including the learners in what they're learning, what they're yeah. focusing on, connecting to passions, interests, expertise. And looking at them as resources and not just, here's what I need to, to give them. <laughs> here's what I need to appease the person at the front of the room that, yeah, knows everything. Yeah, or here's what I, I need, need to, to say be... to get through the curriculum in a school year. Yeah. They need to sit and get, otherwise I'm never going to get through everything. Right. Well, and Brian Durst uh, is a teacher in Wisconsin that I've had the good fortune to collaborate with. Um, uh, on several occasions, and I love his perspective, like, and just to stay in reading, right? He taught, he even questioned for me at one point in time, he's like, just think about prompts. He goes, do you need prompts sometimes for, like, what you're going to write? Absolutely. Or, like, uh, essential questions, for example. He goes, but, but what would it look like if a student were, like, you get to a place where the students actually, for maybe one book out of a semester, actually have to create their own prompt that and isn't that what literacy like and reading is about <laughs> you pick up a book and someone doesn't like it's not like you go to the library and as you check out you get a homework sheet that says look for these three themes in the author's purpose <laughs> like, right. like, like you pick something up and it, and it speaks to you or right. it, it moves you or it causes you to reflect and think about certain things and he said that the opportunity extended for students to create their own prompt like one time maybe over a semester or a couple times when they got in the habit of that uh, led to some of the most insightful, and again, student ownership, like research, like essays yeah. and, and pieces that, you know, it was just really powerful. And so, yeah, I kind of like, we're staying in that ELA vibe here. Right. <laughs> Both you know, coming back from to that, that background. Well, reflection and owning your learning process and knowing yourself as a learner, you know, one of the arguments we try to spread the work is not all teachers are at a place where they're personalizing in every mm -hmm. course. But if I know myself as a learner and I know what strategies work for me, I can apply that to any context of learning. Right. And it's going to serve me well serve me well wherever I go. Mm -hmm. So even if I don't necessarily know what the next step is, I'm still preparing them for the future. Yeah, and I get super choked up in our trainings just talking about my little going to be seven-year-old right. and four-year-old. And I go, I show up to work every day, you know, adamantly like trying to just do the most I can to, to help build our district's capacity to bring these experiences in on a more regular basis because because the cumulative effect of going one year to the next to the next to the next with some sort of personalized like aspect to your education over the duration of k-12 uh yeah like I would love my kid to end up being that kind of uh learner just somebody that just really has a rich understanding yeah, of all the things that we're talking about here. So, um, having kind of delved into that, I'm going to ask you a couple exit questions here. Then I guess about just your role. So, how, how do you feel like things are going? Just do let's just do a little, a little reflection. Honestly, I feel so fortunate that I get to be in a position to help teachers grow as educators and evolve mm -hmm. this work in personalized learning. 
because the teachers that have embraced it and have evolved their teaching are energized and sharing the work with others and they would never go back. And that's what mm -hmm. I experienced a couple of years ago when I started personalizing as well. And to be in a position, again, where I feel like the work is so meaningful and so important and making such a big difference, it doesn't even feel like work. And people say, don't say that. They'll stop paying you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which might be, you know, which could be true. But I honestly feel that way. I feel like that there's so much possibility with making real change yeah. for every learner that how can you, how can you not be excited about that mm -hmm. or want to do more? So, and to be in this role, we have, in Minnesota, we have instructional coaches, which are teachers that are on special assignment. They're not, they don't go out of a classroom. They have a set of teachers that they work with, and they go, and they observe them, and they have meetings with them, and just kind of make sure that they're meeting the mark where they should right. be, holding them accountable. And I get to come in and say, okay, where are you at, and how can I help you grow? Right. What are the next steps? Have you thought about this? And just work side by side with them on something that is meaningful to them in their content, in their class, with their students to really make a change and not just make sure that's, that the minimum is being done or that what's to be expected is being done. Yeah, they're but, just meeting the bare minimum status quo. Right, but we get to come in and help teachers grow. That's something that we you know, had to have our conversations about is that because in our in the capacity with which we are there to support teachers, we are not uh, expected to come through and necessarily look for rigor or you know right. try to support in terms of like, well, how are you teaching this science concept? I would have no idea. Uh, and so that you're right that you certainly have to be great at building positive relationships. You ha you need to be a teacher who can deliver content, who can come up with accurate assessments, you know, and and kind of those things that that make for a strong, solid teacher. But yeah, then in this role, I always joke I'm a um, lesson design mercenary. <laughs> so right, like, sky's you know, the limit. The people just go hire this guy, bring this guy in, right. and let's just uh, you know figure out what we can do. And that's you know, some probably one of the top three questions that I get uh, in this role. Well, one is like, yeah, what do you do? And so then I give that joke of lesson design mercenary. <laughs> but then two uh, is that don't you miss being in the classroom? Uh, and to what you just said, I mean, yeah. I, I still coach, I get to work with kids a little right. bit, and I still get to teach sometimes, but no, I would say no in the sense that the energy that you get from working with teachers who uh, you know, have these conversations with you, that I would really like to do something like this, but I have no idea what it would look like, and right. I don't understand the text facilitate it, and how might it even, and then you reach that place, and they love it, and they go in, and they're just jazzed, and they come back again wanting to, um, how do we do this for the next piece? Right. And, and those on just that ongoing just excitement that is something that they're they're jazzed because their students are their learners are jazzed you know and, and right. it's it's just building this uh, positivity that is super uh, rewarding um, and is something that I think matters uh, you know just for for our school climate and culture it's tough being a teacher right. it's a lot of work and a lot of things asked of you too. Um, but you're there because you got a big heart for it. <laughs> and when that right. heart can kind of breathe uh, and rest right. his head at night knowing that um, you're getting to be creative but still have the impact that you want, uh, God, who doesn't love that? Right. I found that we can help remove some barriers mm -hmm. to change. 
because we can be that resource for teachers that says, you know, that sounds great, but I just don't have the chance to create that, yeah. or I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And we can or help that provide like? that support. You can go, I know right. Joe down the hall is doing this. Right, or, and yeah. so many teachers are doing great things within their classroom. They don't have the opportunity to share, and then we get to be that connection too and highlight, hey, here's what Andrew's doing. You got to come yeah. check this out and, and connect like, those things dots like a for podcast. people. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so, well, I think too that. It's really the only way to move the work, the personalized learning work, is to have a coaching role in a school because we get to meet teachers where they're at and help them move from that point. And just like we're asking teachers to personalize with their students, with their learners, that's what we're doing for teachers. Right. Rather than presenting, you know, now we're all going to do this strategy. You know, go back to all your classrooms and try this one strategy on this day. Right. No, that doesn't stick. It does, that's not real meaningful. So again, to be able to meet with teachers and say, where are you at in your journey? How can I help you make the next step? Mm-hmm. And they know it's a thing, right? They right. know like what would be or like that the greatest need for them or what's been stale or like what is already somewhat personalized it would be a great place to like blow the roof off of it. And yeah, I think when you try to like run through a one size fits all rollout, that it does right. um, receive a lot of a lot of kickback because it does sometimes then run into the very thing that is good and right and something they're passionate about, like trying to implement in the classroom. Whereas uh, when that comes from the teacher, it's so much more authentic, and I think that it will address a greater area of need um, because they know. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, so that's really cool. Okay, got to wrap up the podcast in the interest of time. Um, but uh, I hope this isn't the last one that we're able to have as our continued collaboration, you know, evolves over the early course of now until we get this thing national. No. Right, <laughs> right, right. Until like, right. till, uh, till right. stop, we stop, uh, which I don't see that happening anytime soon. So. Um, thank you for making the time. Thank you for being a... Thank you for making the trip to Minnesota. Yeah, the learning warrior up here. That's awesome. And um, thank you once again. And thank like you, I said, Andrew. we'll maybe have to run it back in the summertime. Right. All right. All Thanks. Right. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.